Please stand in body or in spirit for the reading of the gospel. From Matthew chapter 15, beginning in verse 10. Then Jesus called the crowd to him and said to them, Listen and understand. It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but it is what comes out of the mouth that defiles. Then the disciples approached and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees took offense when they heard what you said? He answered, Every plant that my father has not planted will be uprooted. Let them alone. They are blind guides of the blind. And if one blind person guides another, both will fall into a pit. But Peter said to him, Explain this parable to us. Then Jesus said, Are you also still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth enters the stomach and goes out into the sewer? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and that is what defiles. For out of the heart come evil intentions, murder, adultery, fornication, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile. Jesus left that place and went away to the district of Tyre and Sidon. Just then, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and started shouting, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David, my daughter is tormented by a demon. But he did not answer her at all. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she keeps shouting after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. He answered, It is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to dogs. She said, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed instantly. This is the gospel of grace. Thanks be to God. At the start of our story, the disciples seem rather worried that Jesus has offended the Pharisees. While the Pharisees have become more of a caricature to us than a real and devout group of people, in their day, Pharisees were kind of a big deal. When it came to religion, they were the experts, the faithful, the model of devotion. They were the guys who knew stuff. And it probably wasn't good to offend them. As if to avert a pending disaster, the disciples rush up to Jesus while he's in the middle of talking to the crowd and whisper in concern, do do you know that the Pharisees took offense when they heard what you said? Jesus replies, meh. (laughs) More specifically, he says, don't worry about them. 
They're the blind, leading the blind. They'll all fall into a pit eventually. Jesus' interaction with the Pharisees is one of those Bible stories that shocks us into remembering Jesus wasn't that nice. He was caring. He was good. He was the Son of God. He was pure love, but he wasn't nice. He said it like it was, and he didn't seem to care if the truth stung. No sugarcoating, no mincing of words, no exchanging of obligatory pleasantries. He delivered his truth raw. He was a guy who, frankly, wouldn't get along too well in the South. In fact, the whole reason this open conflict with the Pharisees started was because Jesus' disciples didn't wash their hands before dinner, and Jesus defended them. Chapter 15, verse 1. Then the Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands before they eat. Now, never mind that the Pharisees came all the way from Jerusalem just to register that complaint. My point is, any decent Southerner would think twice before inviting Jesus and his disciples to a dinner party after a debacle like that. But Jesus, ever the teacher, uses this moment to deliver a stinging set of truths. He's not as worried about his disciples behaving like unsanitary boys as he is about the pretentious purity of the Pharisees. Of course, it is gross to eat without washing your hands, but to Jesus, it is a whole new level of gross to act religious without a clean heart. Hypocrites, he calls them. For the sake of your tradition, you make void the word of God. And then he quotes from the prophet Isaiah, This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching human precepts as doctrines. Ouch. You can see why the Pharisees might be feeling a wee bit offended. Although I'm not entirely sure the disciples are as worried about the Pharisees as they seem, it's possible the real reason they want Jesus to shut up is so that he'll quit drawing attention to the fact that they didn't wash their hands. They might be thinking, couldn't you have picked a nobler moment to use us as an example? The rest of the disciples might be ready for Jesus to move on, but as usual, Peter can't keep his mouth shut. Explain this parable to us, he says, as if there was something especially cryptic about the blind leading the blind. And then in what I can only imagine to be a spirit of exasperation, Jesus offers one of the finest explanations recorded in Scripture. Ever passionate that his own disciples not remain blind, Jesus gives them this visual. Do you not see? Whatever you eat becomes poop in the end. It's just not that important. It was a paraphrase on my part, but very accurate (laughs) to the text. Jesus continues to explain, it's not what goes into you that defiles. It's what comes out of your mouth. Evil intentions, murder, adultery, fornication, theft, false witness, 
slander. These are what defile a person, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile. You are not contaminated by what you eat. You are contaminated by who you harm. Now, I pause here to acknowledge that Jesus' understanding of contamination might not hold up too well under the scrutiny of science. And as your pastor, I strongly urge you to keep washing your hands no matter what Jesus tells you. (laughs) Jesus' definition of spiritual contamination, though, is really important. He says it's not the breaking of customs or traditions that defile you. Purity is about your human relationships and how you treat people. Now, as compelling as a contentious debate about hand-washing is, the most fascinating bit of this whole thing is what happens next. The conversation ends, and Jesus and his disciples go on their way when along comes this woman, and she is shouting, not asking politely, not gently pleading. She is shouting like any desperate mama would, and Jesus ignores her. Her child is in torment and Jesus doesn't answer. This isn't just not nice. This is flat out mean. The text doesn't say why he doesn't answer her. Maybe he is exhausted. Maybe he is grumpy and annoyed. Maybe he is lost in thought and tuning out the sounds of the world around him. Maybe he is hoping a disciple will handle it. We don't know. What we know is that the disciples have had enough. Enough of listening to her shout. Have you ever gotten tired of shouting? Had to turn off the TV or the computer or tune out the news because, ugh, so much shouting. If so, you can empathize with the disciples who urge Jesus Send her away, for she keeps shouting at us. And Jesus answers them, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, which sounds like a fancy way to say, yeah, I'm not helping her. But the woman is not deterred. The woman is not deterred. Lord, help me, she says, and I think with an emphasis on the me, because she knows she's not from the house of Israel, but she's desperate for Jesus to notice her anyway. Help me. You may not know me or recognize me, but my daughter is in trouble, is in danger. My daughter, help me. To which our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ coolly replies, It's not fair to take the children's food and throw it to dogs. Jesus calls this woman, this Canaanite, this non-Israelite woman, a dog. It's not the sort of story you could write a VBS curriculum about. Biblical scholars have long debated this passage, trying to puzzle out the Son of God's use of such a degrading slur. Was he joking? Not funny. Was he testing her? And if so, what kind of sick test was that? 
Is he teaching his disciples a lesson, maybe, and exploiting this woman's vulnerability and her sick child in order to do it? Maybe dog wasn't really that bad of a thing to call someone back then? Spoiler alert, it was bad back then, too. So some scholars suggest that here we have an example of Jesus' humanity, including his own prejudice bred into him by his culture and his environment. Even Jesus was tainted by this sort of bigotry rampant in the system. It makes me uncomfortable to think my sweet Jesus could have anything he needed to unlearn. And it messes a bit with my theology of the sinless Christ. On the other hand, I do find it comforting to imagine that like us, Jesus also had to do the difficult work of dismantling his unconscious prejudices. I mean, if Jesus had to do it, surely you and I are not exempt. I don't think we can know for sure what Jesus was thinking when he responded to that Canaanite woman, first by ignoring her and then by calling her a dog. But I notice one huge glaring difference between Jesus and the Pharisees from earlier in the story. When they were called out on their baloney, the Pharisees took offense. Naturally, they felt defensive. Unfortunately, it is often the feeling defensive that keeps you blind. When the Canaanite woman argues with Jesus, saying, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table, Jesus does not defend himself. He doesn't say, lady, don't accuse me of feeding the hungry. Look at my record. I just fed 5,000. He does not say, whoa, now, I'm not prejudiced. I have Canaanite friends. (laughs) He does not say to her, I'm Jesus, the Christ. I know things. Don't correct me. He doesn't launch into a lofty critique of why her response is not sufficient. He does not accuse her of misunderstanding him. He does not tell her to calm down. Instead, Jesus looks her and her challenge straight in the eyes and says, Woman, great is your faith. Why was her faith so great? She believed more than Jesus did that God's mercy belonged to her. She believed more than Jesus did that she deserved to be heard. She believed God should listen to her suffering, and she believed it so hard she wouldn't shut up. She believed it so hard she shouted, and she believed it so hard she annoyed the disciples. She believed it so hard she wouldn't give up. She believed it so hard she challenged Jesus. She believed it so hard she persisted. She believed it so hard she is what you call a believer. 
we could spend time debating whether Jesus made a big mistake in the way he answered her the first time. But I'm pretty confident Jesus wouldn't care what we decided about him. He's just not that worried about appearances. I think he'd tell us, stop talking about me, about you. Look at her faith. Listen, look. This will heal you of blindness. I know so because even my eyes were opened by her extraordinary faith. Beloved, it seems to me we are inevitably going to make some mistakes as we try to unpack our prejudices and shed ourselves of the poisonous hold on our thinking and our behaving. But if we follow the example of Jesus, we will keep our eyes open. We won't put energy into defending ourselves because it's not about how we look to others. It's about what we see. And so we will look to the untiring faith of those who believe they are just as worthy of God's mercy as we are, and we will listen close, and we will unlearn our certainty about the way the world works. We will wash our hands of all pretense and join the feast where all God's children gather round as equals and as friends. Amen.